to be talking about um, hearing God, but I wanted to frame it within the context of Freedom Ministries since that's where I spend um, most of my time thinking these days. And uh, you guys, are you familiar with Freedom Ministries? Everybody know what Freedom Ministries is? Um, basically, what we do at Freedom Ministries is um, we, we shift our thinking. And if you've ever read this book, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's called Think Differently, Live Differently. Has everybody read this thing? It's, a worth, it's worth a read. It's uh, written by a gentleman named Bob Hamp, who was the freedom pastor at um, Gateway in Dallas. And uh, he is a licensed Christian counselor who now has his own practice and is doing all kinds of stuff related to freedom in his private counseling practice. Uh, he still travels around doing stuff uh, around the country with freedom ministry material. But he wrote a book called Think Differently, Live Differently, and it, it's a really true thing. Uh, if you think about something, and you think about how you think about it, which doesn't make a whole lot of clear sense, but if you think about how you think about something, you realize that the way you live comes out of that a lot of times. And so if you believe a lie, you're going to behave as if the lie is true. And so uh, a lot of times what we need to do is think about something differently. And so he goes through that whole process. But I want to frame it this way, and that is that you know, when you look at bondage from the perspective of the prisoner, you get a completely different perspective, don't you, than if you look at it. Just shift, shift your thinking. Instead of looking at the bars from the inside out, that's freedom. Look at it uh, through the mind of Christ and ask God to show you his perspective on bondage and, and freedom. And let's look to God to define for us what freedom really is. Second um, Corinthians 3.17 says this, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He doesn't say that you aren't going to have any more problems. And if you talk to Paul, think about Paul's situation. He was in prison. and he was free, right? When you see Paul and Barnabas and they're singing, they're free. And in fact, when the gates of that prison fall down through an earthquake, they say, no, we're staying here. And as a result of them saying, we're, we're already free. We don't need to step out of this prison in order to be free. We are already free. They were able to talk to the, the jailer, and the jailer had a very radical experience, didn't he? The jailer, who imprisoned, if you will, the prisoners, now is set free. So, when we talk about Freedom Ministries, I want you to, I want you to think about these types of ideas. We're not talking about um, prison ministry when we talk about Freedom Ministries. We're talking about Jesus came very simply to do several things. One of them is to set the prisoner free. And if you talk to, uh, we heard this, uh, I was at a leadership conference in, in Dallas this weekend, uh, the Monday, Tuesday, sorry, and one of the things that they were talking about, one of the things that was mentioned was very simply this. If John the Baptist sends word to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, are you really who you say you are? We couch, he couched, the speaker couched it in the sense of unmet expectations, but one of the things was, hey, listen, if you are who you say you are, could you do something here? And probably John's expectation was that Jesus would 
set him free. Because he knew he was in prison, he might not get out. He probably thought he wouldn't get out. And we know the end of the story, John the Baptist did not get out. But Jesus didn't really respond to that. He did say, basically in so many words, I am who I say I am. But he did not physically remove John from his captivity, right? So when Jesus says, I have come to set the captive free, he's not necessarily talking about a physical jail cell and setting a prisoner free from that physical jail cell, but he is talking about setting our hearts free. So tonight when we're talking about hearing God, I want you to think about it a little bit differently than perhaps you might have in the past. I have a whole bunch of notes, and I promise I'm going to get you out of here on time. But um, before I get to my notes, I want to show you this as well. Uh, truly free. So if you haven't picked this one up, I suggest you pick this one up too. So this one is actually written by uh, Robert Morris, and uh, he is the pastor at Gateway, and uh, another phenomenal book. And there's a whole bunch of them. I've got, through, through the past couple of years, I have just continued to buy books on freedom. That's what I like to think about. Uh, so, as we start out, I want to make something abundantly clear. I'm not an expert on hearing God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a godly man. I, I, I truly believe that my heart has been redeemed. I still make mistakes, but I'm a redeemed man, and I hear God. But there are times where I get just as confused as everybody else, and I think, is that really you, God? And did you say that? Or, more often than that, I get in my little pity parties and say, God doesn't speak to me. You know, I ask, I ask, and I ask, and the heavens are as brass. It's bouncing off everything, but it's not getting to your ear, God. Um, so why am I teaching this if I'm not an expert? Really, it's, it's a very simple reason. Um, in Revelation 12, 11, you guys familiar with this verse? It says this, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and were their testimony. I'm here for one reason, and that is to encourage you guys. You can hear from God. God does speak. You can hear. I do have personal experiences in this, and I will share some of them with you, and that's what my testimony is. But I'm not an expert. Anybody in here an expert? But let me ask you this, how many in here have heard God ever? Every one of us is for God. Now, uh, some of you hear God very well, and others of you are like me. God, are you even listening up there? And then, if you're listening, why aren't you speaking to this situation? Why aren't you saying something to me right now? But I want everybody, my prayer is that everybody would leave this place tonight convinced that God speaks to you, and that he will continue to speak to you, and that he will speak to you very specifically. Not just, oh, I love you, which is a powerful message, but I love you because I made you this way, or I made you to do this thing. My purposes for you are that, maybe even so specifically as to say, tomorrow morning I want you to get up and I want you to talk to so-and-so and tell them I love them. So, let me ask a couple of questions here. Why do you want to hear from God? Very simply, why would you want to hear from God? And I'm going to ask for some answers here. J.D., why would you ever want to hear from God? Direction. 
Absolutely. Cameron, why would you want to hear from God? He was going to say direction, so sorry. Learn. Absolutely. I think God's a pretty good source of information. I do have some questions for him when I get up there. God, why? Anybody else? Polly, I'm going to pick on you. Why do you want to hear from God? Truth. There's a verse that I love that says, and the truth shall make. Sheila, why would you want to hear from God? Yeah? Bingo. Communion. I just want to be with God. Now, uh, we, we talk about this very, very often in Christian circles. We say, all right, well, listen, there's, we're in a relationship, and a relationship's a two-way street. But when you think about your relationship with God, let me just ask you very very honestly answer this question. Is your relationship with God a two-way street? Is it really a two-way street? Is there multiple? I mean, when you communicate with God, do you really expect that God is going to speak back to you? Do you really have that expectation? And number two, even if you have that expectation, are you hearing him when he speaks? My relationship with God has not always been a two-way street. I'm just being real honest with you. A lot of times, I'll get going in my traditional mode of operation, and I will say, God, I love you. And without pausing, I worship you. Without pausing, I want to be with you. Without pausing, you guys get the idea. And I string a whole bunch of words together. I get done, and I'm done. And I move on with my life, and I start working on my computer, how much of a two-way street is that? Have I, did I expect God to speak to me? I mean, really, let's be completely honest. Did I really expect God to speak to me? No. I went to God and I did my ritual. And how many of us have rituals? And what I want to challenge you with tonight is, let's, let's get away from the rituals. Okay? Why would you want to hear from God? Well, communion, that's a big deal, isn't it? I want to be with God because I like hanging out with God. I want to hear God. I want Him to say something to me that will change me. Because you know what? I'm not all that cool. My kids don't think I'm cool, and they're right. Why else would I want to know? Well, I need to know what God wants me to do. Direction. And if I know what God wants me to do, I can do it. That means I'm going to be obedient. And obedience is a big deal, isn't it? I want to obey God because God likes obedience. Why does he say, children, obey your parents? Because he likes obedience, right? Wouldn't you also say, though, hearing from God would be exciting? And wouldn't it be really cool if God spoke to you? I, and this is something else I heard this weekend. Or earlier this week, and it really it resonated with me. A guy said, you know, I'd really like to hear God's audible voice. 
And the speaker said this. He said, why would you want to go back to that? I live in you. I'm like, wow, what concept. When we think about Jesus living in us, we don't really think about Jesus living in us. At least I don't. Do you guys think about this? What does it really mean for Jesus to dwell inside me? I guess if I really thought about it, it means I have a pretty strong connection to him, doesn't it? And if I have a pretty strong connection to him, doesn't that mean that there probably is going to be a really good communication flow? Or at least potentially there is. So communion, that's a big deal. Obedience, that's a big deal. Pretty exciting. Now the other thing I want to say is, what about faith when you think about all this stuff? Can you have faith if you don't hear God? Think about it. Can you have faith if you don't hear God? What does the Bible say about faith? Well, it's impossible to please God, but what about what, how does faith come about? By hearing. So if you don't ever hear from God, how can you have faith? Is it faith if you have never heard God? Well, the reality is no. Now, when I'm talking about hearing from God or hearing God, you may be thinking, well, he's talking about an audible voice. God doesn't do that, does he? How about Genesis chapter 1? We read that Adam and Eve actually conversed with God. Right? In the cool of the day, Adam and Eve walked with God. And in Genesis chapter 1, we read, and God said. Let me ask this question. Do you think if God said something, he spoke it? And do you think if he spoke it and Adam and Eve responded that they might have heard it? Now, it wasn't described really well in Genesis. It doesn't say that God's voice was booming or that God's voice sounded like mine or that God's voice was... It doesn't say anything like that. But it does say, and God said, and we see Adam and Eve responding. In chapter 6 of Genesis, we hear about Noah. Now, I was talking to Pastor Sam about this the other night, and it's, it's fascinating to me. Um, in Genesis chapter 6, we have Noah. Now, picture this. I mean, just, just think about it. Noah's going along. He's getting up in years, and he's been doing his thing. He's got kids, and he's been doing all this stuff. And it's never raining. And God says to him, hey, dude, build a boat. Noah had to have heard that, right? He had to have heard that. And do you think Noah had a clue what a boat was if there was no mass of water around? So God got very specific with him. He said, I want you to build this, and I want it to be this big. I want it to be this tall. I want it to be this wide. And I want you to do this, this. And I want you to make out of this kind of wood. And he goes through this whole process. Well, just think about it. It's a nice sunny day. Everybody's in good health. He knows there's evil in the world, but for the most part, everything seems to be going okay, right? And then literally out of the blue, clear blue sky, God speaks to him. He gives him very specific instructions, and he tells him it's going to rain. You never heard about this thing called a flood, but dude, it's pretty catastrophic. You're going to want to be on this boat. 
And so he goes through there, and you know, if Noah hadn't heard him, had been confused about what God had been saying, would you and I be here tonight? God probably would have made another way, maybe, but if, if Noah had not responded to God the way that God wanted him to respond, you and I wouldn't be sitting here or standing here today, right? How about Samuel? You guys remember Samuel? Samuel's a little dude. He's in the temple with Eli. He goes to bed, and here's this voice. He heard a voice. The voice says, Eli, I mean, Samuel. And he goes, oh. He goes running to Eli because Eli's the only guy in the temple, so obviously Eli's the guy that spoke. And he says, here I am. I didn't say anything to you. Go back to bed. Here I am. Right? You guys know the story. So obviously Samuel heard God's voice. How about uh, Abraham? Um, I like this passage. In, in Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, the Lord appeared to him. And he gives him the promise of a son. Now the Lord appeared to him in the form of three. Kind of cool, isn't it? God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And he shows up in the form of three individuals. And it says, and the Lord spoke to him and said. Obviously, he heard the voice. And he had a conversation. And through it, they have this conversation about how He's going to have a child, even though he's up in years. And Sarah's going to bear a child, even though she's up in years. And then Sarah laughs, and they say, why? The Lord says, why is she laughing? They're having a conversation. Then even later in chapter um, 18, verses 17 through 33, this is the interaction that Abraham has with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember this? This is an actual interchange. God, I know that you're going to destroy these cities, but would you hold off on destroying these cities if there were 50 righteous? And God responds and says, yeah. Abraham realizes, well, there's probably not 50, so let's knock the number down. And he keeps on having this negotiation with God. And God is responding to him every step of the way. Was that an audible voice? I don't know if it was or not, but it says God said. So either Abraham heard an audible voice and responded audibly, or in his mind and in his heart, he knew that God was speaking to him, and he responded. I don't know if it was audible or not, but I'm going to go with audible. In Exodus 33:11, Moses, I love this one, and the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. And we talk about it later in the New Testament, and it talks about how special Moses was because God met with him face to face. We see Moses going up on the mountain, and he comes down off the mountain, and the people say, I can't look at you because your face is shining. And Moses puts on a Veil, right? Did Moses encounter God in a very real way? Okay, how about Elijah? 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12. After the earthquake, there came a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, the sound of a low whisper. God speaks. 
in the whisper. Going back, Moses, the burning bush thing. Remember, there were some voices going on there too. The voice came out of the burning bush. There's all kinds of examples of God speaking. And it's not just in the Old Testament. Ever, ever heard of Jesus? What did Jesus do with his disciples? He broke bread with them. He interacted with them very individually. Um, how about Saul's conversion? You guys remember the story? He's on the road to... Damascus. He's running along doing his little thing, chasing Christians. He's going to do his thing, and he gets struck down, and now he has scales on his eyes. But not only that, as he fell to the ground, he heard a voice. And the voice said this, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he responded with, who are you, Lord? And the voice responded with this, I am Jesus, when you are persecuted. Jesus was dead at this time, but he spoke. Correct? I say Jesus was dead, you know what I mean. He had already left the earth. Okay? He was no longer walking with the disciples. And he told Saul, in an audible voice, as the Bible says, Saul heard the voice Another one I like is the story of Saul and Barnabas. You guys remember this one? Saul and Barnabas are in a room, and while they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Pretty clear to me that God is speaking. So, can I suggest to you this? There are people that will tell you that God doesn't speak outside of reading Scripture. And I've even heard Bob Hamp say this, where, you know, if you're, if you're saying God tells you stuff, just test it, right? Make sure that it's consistent with what God has always said. Because if God tells you that what he wants you to do is something that goes contrary to anything he has ever said, more than likely that's not God, right? Okay, but as you think about this, does God speak? Does God speak? And the answer is yes, he obviously does. Scripture is inspired. How did Scripture get inspired? It's the Word of God, and it was given to men by the Spirit of God, right? So somehow that got communicated. How did that get communicated? Spirit to spirit, probably. Maybe somebody heard a voice from heaven saying. Another, another example I didn't mention, but I love the I love the story of, uh, oh, what's the name of the king? It wasn't Darius, uh, the one that had the writing on the wall. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. I can't remember who, was it Nebuchadnezzar? But anyway, one of the kings during the captivity, right? And he called, he, this hand comes out of nowhere and just writes on, and he goes, I don't know what this means. And so he calls for Daniel, and Daniel comes and he says, well, I can tell you what that means. I can't remember what the, the king's name is. But anyway, so wouldn't it be cool to have writing on the wall? Hey, Matt, go buy a car. Um, obviously, God wants to speak to us. Um, 
Let's go back to Samuel just for a minute. When, when God called Samuel, that was not a light word, was it? Do you guys remember what happened immediately after that? When he says, hey, Samuel. Samuel's little, okay? I, I don't know how old he was, but he was young, okay? And what God told Samuel was, I need you to tell Eli. That, I'm paraphrasing. But I've removed my blessing from his family. His kids are not living right. Do you remember that? It was not a light word. And this is a little dude talking to the high priest. This is significant. Okay? All right. So, you guys with me so far? Does God speak to you? I don't, I don't know that he speaks to you. I just know that God speaks. You might be the one person on the planet he doesn't want to talk to. Right? Does God speak? Yeah, absolutely he does. Does he want to speak to you? Yes, absolutely. Does he speak to you? Well, let's think about that for a minute. He wants to speak to you. He's God. Can anything stop him from speaking to you? Steve, you're saying no. You can choose to ignore him, absolutely. But does that stop him speaking? No. So is God speaking to you? I mean, just, just answer that with a nod or a shake of your head. Does God speak to you? Is God speaking to you right now? Right this minute, is God speaking to you? I bet you he is. I love this. We, we used to sing a song here, and it comes out of Scripture. And it says this. He sings or he dances over me. Right? You think that's true? Is, is God excited about you? Does he think the world of you? And does he want to speak to you? Is he God? Yes. Is there anything that can stop him from talking to you? Okay. Everybody with me so far, right? So, let me ask you this question. How do you know if it's God? If you... All right. There's a bunch of things I could go into here, but let, let's talk about this. If, if you know that God is speaking, and you know that God wants to speak, and you know that for some reason you're not sure if what you think maybe God might be saying is God, how do you know? How do you know if it's God or not? Is what you're sensing, or hearing, or even seeing, I, I use three words there, sensing, hearing, or seeing, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but is, are those three things, whatever it is, is it lining up with the Word of God? Now, if you don't have one of these guys that has the Bible, every single word written in the Bible, in various, I can, I have like, I don't know, access to 30 translations on here, which is really cool. But if you don't have one of those, how are you going to know if it's in the Word of God or not? Read it. Absolutely. Does God speak through His written Word? How many times have you opened the Bible? And I mean, I can tell you some, from personal experience. I was struggling. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but you know, in desperation you do desperate things, right? And at this point I had a paper Bible. 
Yes. Get your Bible. God, I really need to hear from you. Open your Bible and you stick your finger and you open your eyes and you start reading the verse. Most of the time when I did that, my, vo- my finger was actually on the margin or, you know, something like that. And I had to go, well, maybe God meant for me to read verse 14. Um, but a lot of times, I'd open the Bible. I wouldn't put my finger out, but I'd just, all right, God, I'm just going to open the Bible today and I'm just going to read whatever I get. And how many times did I open the Bible and read and that chapter just spoke to me? It just, it was like God was reading my mail. How many times have you done that? Does the Bible live? Is it alive? Yeah, absolutely. And you can read it. And again, it really depends on your heart, but you can read that thing from cover to cover and not get anything out of it. How many people have done that? Thousands of people have opened the Bible and not got anything out of it. But on the other hand, there's a whole host of people that have opened it and read it cover to cover and transformed their lives. The world is very different today than it was before the Bible was translated into English out of Latin. It's very different. Very different. So, the question is, how do you know if what you're hearing, sensing, or feeling, or, or seeing, coming from God? You, you read the Bible. And if it matches up with what the Bible says, yeah, it can be God. Two, does it produce the fruit of the Spirit? And this is defined in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You guys know the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering. You know, all of, I, I, patience and long-suffering are the same, but I'm multiple translation problem here. Um, what are they? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. And if it produces those things, I'm not saying it is but there's a good chance. All truth has the capacity to set people free. Let's talk about that, John 8, 32 again. So, does it have the result of releasing you? Not necessarily from the circumstance like Paul was still in jail, but control releases you from the control or the power that some circumstance might have over you. Does it release you? In other words, you guys have heard this, I prayed until I got peace. I prayed until I broke through. Or I prayed until... So, if God's speaking to you and it does that, wouldn't that be a good hallmark of this, this might be God? Right? Um, another, another test that I've... Polly has used this, and I know Bob Hamp uses this too, is that... Is that voice smarter than me? Yeah. Of course, if you're dumb as a doornail, it might not be a good criteria. But now, if, if it's smarter than you, it probably didn't originate with you, did it? All right. So what are some barriers to hearing from God? I don't know about you. Um, I think a lot. I don't necessarily think deep thought, but I think a lot. And I often will be sitting there in my quiet time or reading my Bible, and I'll read, uh, let's just talk, I'm reading my Bible, and I read verse 1, I read verse 2, I read verse 3, and I read verse... I wonder what souls are doing in the past. And you start going down a complete 
there was no connection between verse 1, 2, 3, and the bulls. Or you get uncomfortable when you say, well, I'm just going to stand up for a while and you stretch and you go, and you start going down that rabbit trail. You guys ever do that? Or am I the only one? Leah, am I the only one? You get thoughts in your head. I've got to pay the bills. Oh, I'm really stressed out about work. You know, whatever it is. So that can be a barrier. Um, the enemy can be a barrier, right? You think that dude that, whose name we don't speak? You think Satan really cares for you and you hearing from God? Yeah, he cares. He does not want you to hear God. So do you think he might do something to distract you, to oppress you, start you believing a lie so that you don't, even the words that you hear don't sound right? How many times has somebody told you, I love you, and you've heard something a little bit different? What do you want from me? You know, those types of things? You think God ever says, I love you and wants something from you? He just says, I love you because he loves you. So if he says, I love you, and you hear, you're not living right, God will say stuff like that. But do you understand what I'm saying? If you start hearing lies that go along with that, that's the enemy. All right, we already talked a little bit about distractions, but also in, in hand, hand in hand with that is you're, in a, you're, you're trying to have a quiet time and somebody turns on the stereo loudly. Right? Those things happen. Can that distract you from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, that's, we, we sang it at the conference this, this week, but once an orphan, now a king. Right? Once a prisoner, now set free. But I started thinking about that whole thing, and I, I replaced the words. I said, once a goat, but now a sheep. It rhymes. But once a goat, now a sheep. And the reason why I was thinking that was because, very simply, you are not who you were. Before you got saved, you're very different. Your DNA is completely different. So you once didn't know the voice of God. In John, it talks about my sheep know my voice, and I know them, right? So if you're not a sheep, can you hear the voice of God? Well, sure, God can speak. But do you, do you understand him like you do as his child or as a sheep? No, you don't. You're very different. Everything is different. You are his. All right, so I'm going to talk briefly about this, um, and we're getting close to a close here. I'm going to try to get you out early. Wouldn't that be nice? Learning styles. Have you ever thought about learning styles? What is your learning style? There's three basic learning styles. One is uh, auditory. You hear something and you get it. Another one is visual. I'm a visual learner. So if I see it, I'll get it. Um, and then there's a third one called kinesthetic. I need to do. Right? Now, I think, and Polly can speak to this better than I can, but I think the combination of the three is probably the most powerful. Right? If I hear, see, and do, I'm probably going to get it. So a lot of times what I'll do when I really want to get something is I'll, I'll read it, I'll write it, I'll say it, and then if it's tangible that I can actually do, 
For example, if I'm trying to figure out how to do something on the car, I'm not a natural car guy. So I'll go to YouTube, I'll watch a video, I'll read about it, and then I'll go out to the car and I'll try to do it. Well, once I've done it, I'm good. I've got that probably for the rest of my life. I'll be able to repeat that action again. Okay, so if you're, a, if you're a kinesthetic learner, that basically just says that physical activity is going to lead to learning. And if you think about it in terms of, of hearing God, uh, God's going to communicate to your inner man. And what your brain will do is it will translate it into an impression or a sense of. And to be honest with you, even though I'm more of a visual learner, I have a very strong tendency toward the kinesthetic. Meaning that when I'm, when I'm sitting here and I'm asking God to speak to me, a lot of times I don't hear words and I don't see pictures. But I will get a sense of or an impression that I need to do something. If you're an auditory learner, listening leads to learning, and God will communicate to you and you'll actually hear words. You won't hear the voice of God per se, but you will hear words. If you're a visual learner, God communicates to you, and you'll translate it into pictures. Is anybody, is anybody a picture person? My wife is. So when God speaks to her, she sees. And I, I can't get into her mind and figure this out, but from what she has told me at different times, she, she gets a, a big picture. I mean, she sees picture, not just an impression of a picture. She, she sees something. I see this, I see that. But when, I, when you ask me what I think God's saying, I don't say, I see something. I, I mean, you can ask, I say, I get, I think, I, I sense, those types of things. So, um, just thinking this through again, does God want to speak to you? Yeah. Is God God? If God is God and he wants to speak to you, do you think he is speaking to you? If he is speaking to you, what is he saying? I had a friend, this goes back several years ago. Uh, I had a friend named Kitty. And she used to tell the story. She is, she's since passed away. But she told the story about how she was in her quiet time. And she normally had her quiet time in one location. But in this particular time, she ended up going somewhere else. Now, I've been to this somewhere else. It's a, on a dock in a little tiny lake. And she went to this dock, and she sat down, and she had her quiet time. And she said at first she was pretty frustrated, because as she was having her quiet time, she got this impression that God was sad. And she was a little frustrated with that because she didn't want to have a sad time. So she just said, but she asked, God, why? Why am I getting this feeling of sadness? And I don't remember the exact conversation, but in the process of communicating with God, a guy's name came to her mind. God. And so she asked God what the deal was with John. And God's response was, I miss him. So, she didn't run into John for a few days, but she eventually ran into John, and she said, hey, John, I had a weird experience. I was, I was 
just having my quiet time, and well, I was on the dock, and I just sensed that God was sad, and, and your name came up, and I asked God what the deal was, and he said that he missed you. John's response was to just fall right in front of her, just lost it. And when he finally got control of himself, and Kitty was very gentle, you know, just kind of gave him a, a hug and you know, all that stuff, and he said, that's where I had my quiet time for years. And I haven't been there for a long time. Kind of specific, isn't it? I miss you. Spoken to somebody who told... Now, could God have said, hey, John, I miss you? You think he probably did? Why do you think John didn't hear that? He wasn't listening. But another person coming alongside saying, hey... God said he misses you. Had all the impact in the world. Um, there have been a whole lot of times where I've asked God for guidance. And, um, you know, God, should I do this? God, should I do that? Um, and I'll give you just one uh, real tough one for me. Um, and Sue uh, will remember this time in our lives. But we were really moved to adopt. We've been talking about it. We talked about it before we got married, but we just set it on the back shelf. I more than Sue, um, and we. She kept bringing it up. Hey, do you think it's time to adopt? And we just. We finally got to the point where we had taken the steps to adopt. We'd had some disappointments and some frustrations and and all that, and and we finally got to the point where we had we we had put in our paperwork and they had accepted it, and we got back. You can adopt these two children. And uh, me being the way I am, immediately thought, well, I can't adopt two. And what about the one that we don't adopt? And I, and I, Sue the same way, we, we cried a lot thinking about that whole thing. And um, I was in Cincinnati on business at the time, and I called Sam. Do you remember that conversation? And I called Sam and I said, Sam, we were just told that we can adopt both. <laughs> what do I do? I don't remember specifically what Sam said, but I can tell you I was disappointed in his response. Because he didn't tell me adopt that one. He didn't, did he? Uh-uh. He didn't say adopt that one. And I had to go back, and we had 24 hours to answer that question. And I'll tell you right now, that was... Not the, probably not the toughest 24 hours of my life, but it was way up there. It was a hard 24 hours. And I wasn't here, and Sue was not there. I mean, Sue was here in Tyler, and I was up in Cincinnati, and it was tough. We ended up getting Gabriel, which you guys know. But, uh, man, it hurt, that whole thing. And how do I know? How do I know that I know that I know that this is the right thing, Sam? Answer that question? Just, just, could you answer that question? If I called you and said, hey, I got, a, I got a life or death decision to make here, what do you think I should do? Are you equipped to answer that question? I'll just ask it that way. Cameron, are you equipped to answer that question? I'll give you a hand. You're not. You are not qualified to answer that. But is God qualified to answer that? Absolutely. 
Now, I did not hear an audible voice. I did not. I wanted an audible voice. I begged God to give me writing on the wall. I did. I, I'm not kidding. I was, I wouldn't say traumatized, but I was near trauma. And I wanted to know the right answer. And I agonized over what is the right answer. And Sue and I talked about it, and we prayed about it. And I tell you, we came up with a decision. But even when we made the decision, I was not convinced it was right. I wasn't. I did not know. That was hard. And there were times where I asked God, why didn't you speak more clearly? Why didn't you tell me what you wanted? And I don't have an answer for that, really. Except that when I look now, and with the knowledge I have now, looking back, and we found out that the, the young girl that we were considering to adopt had been adopted just shortly after we adopted Gabriel. So that made me feel a whole lot better. I'm not her forever family. I'm not her forever father, but somebody else is. But man, was it hard. And I don't really have a good answer, except that now looking back, I'm convinced that God guided us. I'm convinced that what the steps that we took were right, but it was not easy. I say that to tell you this, very simply, that I don't know how God's going to speak to you. I just know that he will. And he speaks to me differently now than he did when I was younger. He speaks to me differently today than he did just a few weeks ago. Because God, God is God. And he does things the way he wants to do things. And if it blows my perception out of the water, I don't think God really gets all worked up about it. Um, there are times where a brother will come up to me and say, you know what, I've been praying for you, and I think you ought to consider. I have a very faithful brother that attends this church that's been in my life for a long time. And he'll come up to me and say, dude, how are you doing? You okay? And I pray for you. And he will. And God speaks through him. I have a wife that's very faithful. I have kids that occasionally will say, you know, I think God's saying this, and I'm blown away that my kids are hearing God like that. I think it's wonderful. We send our kids to AWAM, and they teach them how to talk to God. We teach them how to hear God's voice. And I'm telling you the same thing that I would tell any of them. God loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to speak to you. He will speak to you. And if you just listen, he's going to say something that will rock your world. Has anybody ever asked God, a question that needed a specific answer. Did you get the specific answer you wanted? Not always, but did you get a specific answer? Have you asked or ever asked God a general question? How do you know if God responds to a general question? You probably won't know if God answered that question. It's really general. So what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you guys is go ahead and ask God a specific question. Do you think God has an opinion about it? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's do this as you think about it. Um, bow your heads. Let's just go to the Lord. 
You can hear God through Scripture. You can hear God just by spirit-to-spirit communication. When you hear God, it makes all the difference in the world. It builds your faith. You're His child. It makes you feel loved. It tells us who God is. It reaffirms us. It brings freedom inside. So I want you to be quiet. I just want you to just take a moment. We've done this exercise before. Just listen and and see what you can hear. Obviously, you can hear my voice. I'm going to stop talking for about 10 seconds and let you listen. I want you to listen and see, see what you hear. Not, not God, just with your, with your physical ears and your physical sense. What do you hear? All right, did anybody hear the same thing I heard? I heard somebody over here on the left shifting. And I heard Dorothy saying, thank you, Jesus. Anybody hear anything else? Yeah, do There's noise over there. Right? Somebody clink the weights in the weight room. I'm hearing some air movement. Right? Is it difficult to hear those things? No, but if somebody's shouting at you, would you hear that? Or if I continue to keep up a, a vast amount of noise here and I do this, did you hear me pat my stomach? I did. Did you hear it in the back? It made noise, but you didn't hear it, right? Now, if we were really quiet, I was, I was listening to somebody talk about this the other day, how they went into, uh, yeah, I was again at the conference. It was just fascinating to me. He said he went into uh, Tiger Stadium at LSU, and he heard the dude down on, the, he was up in the stands, and he heard the guy down the, and on the field just talking in normal voice about what he was doing. And he said, the fascinating thing is, you get 100,000 people in the stadium, you can't hear your neighbor yell. Right? So, just the acoustics of the place allowed him to hear what was going on down the field. But the idea there is, get rid of the distractions, you might be able to hear something that you might not be listening for. Well, if you're listening to God, if you're going to be still and listen, God's going to speak to you. So, what we'll do now is, okay, now let's just really try to hear God. That means you have to work really hard, right? I will hear from God. Does God respond to that? He might, but be quiet and still. I want you to just ask God to speak to you. God, I just pray that you would speak right now to us. I know your heart is for us, God. And I just pray, Lord, that tonight as we conclude, that God, you would speak your word over our hearts, into our minds, into our spirit. I ask God that for those of us that need a very real word from you, God. I pray that you would speak.
words that would change our hearts. I ask God that you would say something Changes me, changes us. What we do in Freedom Ministries is we, we have a series of questions that we like to ask people to ask God. And sometimes we, we've done this with our kids and we've asked them to ask God questions that they kind of go, well, that's kind of, I'm not so sure about that. But if you, if you do the exercise, sometimes it's really interesting what God will say. And the exercise would be something like this. Close your eyes. Ask God this question, very simply, God, do you love me? Ask you this question. Did anybody here see an answer to that question? Anybody willing to say out loud what God might have said? So if you didn't hear that, he said, he showed him a picture of his son and said, I love you more than you love your son. Yeah. I'm just going to ask you this question. 
What was the question? God, do you love me? Steve, did you hear yes? The word yes? Did you hear the word yes? No. He heard, I love you more than your son. I love you more than you love your son. And Dorothy, she heard, sorry, she heard, I am a good father. Did you want to say what you heard? I love you more than the love that can be contained in the universe. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. You guys heard that one, right? He did not hear, I love you. What he felt was pain leave. He said he had severe pain in his leg and it left. Is that right? Now, did God say, I love you? Sam, did you have something? God can be a tease? Absolutely. He did, didn't he? All right. Um, anybody else before I move on to the next one? Anybody else? Yeah, Jimmy. That's a, a very different answer, isn't it? See your, I'll, I'll paraphrase, he saw his enemies, and he said, now you sacrifice your son for those guys. In other words, I died for you, and you were an enemy, right? Obviously, I love you. Now, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Anybody else want to share before we move on? Let me just ask this question. Did anybody not get anything? And you don't need to feel bad. I didn't. And so I'll, I'll be the first to say I didn't really get anything. Did anybody else not get anything? I'm the only one. So what that tells me is that we have a personal God who speaks to us in very different ways, saying very different things, to the very same question. Now, did anybody hear the word yes? Yes. Now, is that answer less powerful than Kim having pain leave his body? No, absolutely not. Let me ask you this. Are you convinced that God said yes? Are you convinced that God said yes? Did God speak? Yes, he did. Let's ask another question. Close your eyes. Just again in a quiet place. And ask God this question. God, 
If you love me, if you love me, trying to think of the right, I'm, I'm struggling with the way I want to phrase this. If you love me, why? Why question is pretty open-ended. Not a yes or a no. Which is why I chose to go that route. Why do you love me? Even the youngest people know the answer to this one. Jesus loves me this one now for the Bible. Right? I'm not looking for a Giving you confidence?
single. That's a cool answer, isn't it? We talk about this idea of um, you are God's masterpiece and how that word, masterpiece, really doesn't communicate exactly what it probably could in the English language. You're God's workmanship, created for Christ Jesus for good works, right? That's the, that's the context of Scripture. But the word masterpiece has so much richness to it. When you think about this idea of God created you, right? And he doesn't do, I mean, I've heard this all my life. God, does, God don't make no jump, right? Well, that doesn't really communicate it, does it? God don't make no junk, does not say the same thing as, and I heard this and I, I loved it, and I've shared it with the kids the, uh, at Teen Kairos. When God says masterpiece, what he's saying is he has, he has an easel, and he has come up there, and he has made a work of art, and he is so impressed with it that he takes that brush and breaks it and says, I can't do any better than that. That's the idea of a masterpiece, right? So when Sheila says, he loves me for everything I was and am and will be, that's kind of the right, that's the, that's the connotation of that. He has made a masterpiece. Of course he's going to be in love with you. Okay. Anybody else, why, why does God love you? I was a kid growing up in Papua New Guinea a long time ago, and I had a watch on my wrist. And I was wandering through. There was just a couple of us that were goofing off, and we were in the—I mean, we were out in the sticks. I mean, we were way out. And this crazy man accosted us and was talking to us in the native language. And we kind of played it off as, you know, he's crazy. We're not going to deal with him. And sure enough, we walked a little bit further, and somebody said, "Yeah, that guy's crazy. You know, just don't mess with him." And but. We came back through, and the guy was looking at my watch, and he, he kept asking me what that thing was. This is in Papua New Guinea, which, if you know the context, they had just come out of the Stone Age. Okay, so like we talked about New Guinea time. What New Guinea time means is the plane is scheduled to come today. When? I don't know. It came three days later. Pilot didn't apologize. I'm here. That's New Guinea time. You get, you get the idea? So when somebody says, hey, what is that? How can you explain to someone that that measures time to the hundredth of a second when he doesn't know about time? Okay, so let me ask you this. When we define love, do we really understand what love is? When we try to define love, do you really know what love is? And I'm going back to what you were saying, Steve. Do you really know what love is? I know what love is. Do you know what love is, Pastor Sam? And this is love that... What? 
God sent his only son to die for And this is love. Okay, but what does that mean, God? I love my kids too. But do I really love them like God loves me? So when God says, I love you more than you love your kids, you think that was God saying that? Probably. Why does God love you? I love where you came from. I love where you are. I love where you're going. Absolutely. So I'm going to close with this just, just very, very simply. Did God speak to you tonight? Do you think if you go home tonight and say, God, we asked some questions. I asked if you love me, and you said yes. And I asked why you love me, and you gave me this neat answer. I bet you can do that again. You think God will respond to that? You think that maybe that situation that you've been agonizing over for years, that loved one that you can't seem to reconnect with, or that work situation, or we can keep on going down the road. Do you think God can respond to those things as well? My answer to you is yes. I believe He can. Put Him to the test. Scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? I'm going to challenge you in this. Test God. Ask Him. Ask Him these questions. Does it make a difference when you ask God, do you love me? And God responds with, absolutely not. Does it make a difference? Yeah. What we say in Freedom Ministries is, it's one thing for me to say something to you. I can tell you God loves you. But if God himself says, you are the cat's meow. God would never tell me that because I don't like cats. Okay, but he might tell me, man, I love to hang out with you. Ask God those hard questions. Ask God the questions that matter to you because they matter to him, right? When you talk to God, talk to him, but wait and listen for his response. Wait and listen for his response. Don't just get there like me and start spouting off a whole bunch of words and think, okay, I've done my duty and I'm out of here. Actually, wait and see what God says. Because I guarantee he's saying something. And it's probably going to make a big difference.